This is the DNA Pest Control Podcast with your hosts, Daniel and Anthony. How's it going, everybody? I hope everyone has been doing great during this crazy pandemic. Um, I know we have over here. Uh, so I guess I hope you guys are too out there. Um, this is Daniel. If you don't recognize my voice or if you're new to the podcast, uh, I want, I have actually some, some fun little stories for you guys. Uh, one big one, and we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It'll be my first and hopefully my last, but that's not going to happen. But one of my guys, uh, if you guys didn't know, I own a pest control company. And so, you know, if we kind of don't put out any podcasts, uh, there's there's some reasons behind that, or you see a bigger gap between that. Um, especially during this pandemic, we've been super busy. Uh, I mean, we're running, or I mean, we're going over time on, uh, on a lot of things. We've grown a ton, and I hope you guys have as well. I mean, it's been, it actually has been a, a blessing. Honestly, it hasn't been a negative for anybody I've talked to. So I hope it's not for you guys out there uh, working hard during this whole thing. Um, but one of my guys this past couple weeks, he got inspected um, by the ag department. If you're out of California, I'm not sure who does your inspections or anything like that. But uh, here we have the ag department. They'll swing by. They'll inspect your truck if they see you out there. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they run things. I don't know if they're mainly in the office or if they're out looking for people or what they're doing. Um, it's kind of a hush-hush thing. But when they come in and do the inspection, I've already jumped to the end of the story, but they're going to come and do an inspection. So I'm going to try to get them actually on the podcast, hopefully while they're doing that inspection, and see uh, if we can get a couple questions out of them and kind of figure out what what do they do, why do they do this, what's going on. Um, but this lady pulled over, uh, or not pulled over, but he was already spraying the house. She inspected his truck, uh, just so everyone knows everything was fine. Uh, we did have one bottle that was actually unlabeled. That was completely my fault. Um, and kudos to this guy. He actually told me, uh, a while ago, I just never got to it. Uh, and so you know what, that was completely my fault, not on him. We didn't get any fines or anything like that. Uh, we just had to label those bottles, which we did, and everything was fine. Actually, after that, I went through and, and I checked all the trucks. So if you guys aren't doing this on a, um, on a monthly basis, which normally uh, that's what we do, is we'll go through all the trucks. We'll make everything, make sure everything is actually up to date. Everything's tagged. Uh, I try to ask the guys every week, Hey, is everything's tagged? Everything good? Everything clean? Trucks running great? You know, equipment's good? No leaks? Nothing? Because uh, that's the stuff that the ag will, I know, will look for. You know, if you have a leaky hose or you know, it's they're gonna they're gonna try to get you on some of that stuff. But um, anyway, so she got him on that. He labeled it all right then and there, and everything was good. Anyway, we exchanged some emails with her, and she said, "Oh, hey, we haven't." done an inspection for two years. So we set a date. It's actually for the 21st of October. So come close to the 21st uh, or after the 21st, 
Um, I'll throw out another episode explaining what's going on, what happened, and hopefully I can get her on. Hopefully she'll agree to it. I don't know why not. It's just information that everybody needs to know. Uh, and if you guys want to send in any questions you want me to ask her, I suggest do it now. Um, I know it's kind of short notice, but do it now so I can get those out and over with um, with her. And even if she won't come on the podcast, I'm still going to ask her all those questions so then I can share it on the podcast. Uh, so just be prepared for that. But when we were exchanging emails back and forth, uh, she sent over a document. And I kind of want to read through this document. Hopefully it's not going to be super boring for you guys, but uh, hopefully anybody who's an owner operator and hasn't had an inspection, this is going to help you out a ton. Uh, whoever has had an inspection, but it's been years, this may just be a refresher for you and there might be some new things on there. So I'm going to hit a few points and I'm going to talk a little bit about it and what I know about it. Uh, and if I have any questions, I'm going to note it down and I'm going to figure out what that means or what we need to do. Um, so let's get right to it. So this is <laughs> what they sent over, which is actually kind of funny. It's the unofficial pesticide headquarters checklist for structural pest control businesses. Okay. 2020. Interesting that they would say this is the unofficial one. Why don't they just send me the official one? Um, but they are looking for annual pesticide training records for structural applicators. Okay. Um, for the past for the current year and the past two years, uh, not required for field reps or operators. So here in California, you have multiple branches. So you have the branch one, branch two, branch three, then you have operator and you also have an applicator. The applicator is the entry level guys. They can actually do termite treatments. They can do regular pest treatments, but they can't identify anything. They can't actually go quote. They can't do anything like that. So you have to train them on pesticides and safety every single year. When it comes to the branch two guys, that's what we run. We don't do termites, but when it comes to the branch two guys, we don't have to actually get that training every year. Um, we just have to stay up to date if we change chemicals, but we have to do it. Every, I think it's every two years. Um, we do it every year anyway, because if anything does change, we want to make sure that we're up on top of that. Um, so we're good all over that. So we have all these records. So they're going to come in and be uh, quite surprised uh, if they're trying to catch us with their pants down. It's not going to really happen. Um, they also need a written pesticide training program only for structural applicators. Um, that one is actually a little interesting. I'm not exactly sure what they're looking for. Um, we have a lot of different training programs and, and booklets. Uh, actually, I'll do a shout out to Geotech. Um, they do a lot of those training programs for smaller companies. So if you guys are here local in California... Uh, talk to them. It's free. Uh, they'll give you all the training stuff that you need to know. And I'm pretty sure that's going to cover us uh, for this inspection. So if you're not buying chemicals from them or you are, and you haven't been doing these training programs with them, get them to help you out. It's actually pretty awesome. They'll cover that for you and they'll send all that paperwork for you, you know, to you. So um, it saves a lot of headache and then you don't have to create some training program. They already got it. Uh, they are also looking for a pesticide use records, okay, current year and two years prior. Here in California, you have to keep records for three years, okay? So on that fourth year, throw everything away. You don't have to keep it, but at least for three years. 
Obviously, when it comes to taxes and IRS and things like that, you need to keep it for at least seven. That's just good practice. Some companies will only do five, but they can actually go back to seven years. But in the pesticide world, you have to keep it for three years. So we keep our records for three years, and then on the fourth year, we'll, we actually scan it in, and we actually keep it. Um, so we actually have the past six, seven years, but we, you know, but we just throw those, you know, we'll scan them in and throw them away. Um, so they need the pesticide use records. So branch two, so they need contracts and service tickets, which I mean, I don't even think they have enough manpower to go through thousands and thousands of records like that. I mean, they're trying to be like the IRS, aren't they going through everything? But Anyway, they want two years of contracts and service tickets, which is crazy. And then if you are a termite guy, a branch three, they want inspection reports and work completion reports. Uh, that does not apply to us, so we're good. Uh, the next one is pesticide safety series N-8 filed out and posted in primary languages. So that is actually kind of hard to explain, um, but it goes over the safety of how to handle chemicals and of a lot of other things. So if you're not in the state of California, look it up. It's actually something kind of cool and you actually might learn something from it. We are, I would consider one of the safest states um, when it comes to pesticide handling. So if you're, you know, if you just have, if you're second guessing something in your state, I'm pretty sure if you follow California standards, you're going to be way overdoing it, um, which you may not have to, but it's actually good information. Or if you're looking to come into California and do pest control, you're going to have to have that, which we do. Uh, fumigation logs, that is actually not for us. That's for branch one. Uh, branch one is like tenting houses, full-on warehouse fumigations. We don't do that. Um, occupant fumigation notices, signed copies if you're a primary contractor. So this is another one for the branch one. We don't have that. Um, now, this one's always an interesting one, which a lot of companies skip over. So the respirator documentation. So written respirator program, once again, Thank you, Geotech. They're the ones that actually have that. Um, and then the DPR, which is cool. They actually give you a link uh, if you want to go off of theirs. And so you can, you're given one almost. Uh, they need medical recommendations signed by a healthcare professional. Guys, you do not actually have to send your guys to a, to a doctor if, uh, if you're going to give them a respirator. So they have, you can go on to 3M has one and they do two free ones if you sign up. And then after that, I think it's like 30 bucks or 40 bucks to get your guys um, with a medical test, which is, I mean, it's nothing. So, uh, and they do it all online. They don't actually talk to a healthcare professional. They just go through a questionnaire and they get it all done. Um, but 3M, if you're, if, you know, if you are wondering what that is. Um, so 3M does the medical medical tests. And then they have an annual fit test documentation, current year and past two years. That's uh, once again, geotech will actually do the fit tests. I heard during uh, COVID they'll actually send you the actual box or the testing kit uh, and let you test your guys. So they'll just train you on how to do that. And then you can test your own guys, which is cool, but they do that all for free. Um, so then you can have current records if your guys use a respirator. And then annual respirator evaluations, um, just checking the actual respirators themselves. So you just got to make sure that you're on top of that. Um, okay, the next one is 
Oh, let's see here. So if your company has a voluntary respirator program, another face piece. Okay. No, that's totally fine. Let's see. Copies of monthly summary pesticide use reports. Okay. So this is what we have to send here uh, in California. Every month you have to send them a pesticide report to each uh, ag department in each county which it's just a ploy for money, to be honest with you. They hardly ever look over that crap. Um, every once in a while, we'll put like a zero on there, and then they'll call us. Uh, but majority of the time, we don't ever even get calls. I just think they like us paying for their stamps that you have to put on it. So it's just a way for them to get money to pay their the employees, the ag department. Uh, pesticide storage area. Um, you need to have things posted. So it's going to go down. So service containers labeled. So content, signal word, responsibility. You need to have the original pesticide containers, complete labels affixed. Tanks larger than a backpack must have an air gap separation. If you don't know what that is, uh, it's like an anti-siphon device almost. Uh, I think that's another word for it. So it's actually separated or it's above the tank where the water will go into the tank. So there's no backflow of chemicals going into the hose, um, which now in California, every single house actually has to have this. Um, it's, it's not a siphon, but it's this. It, it's weird. When you turn off the hose, it just floods water out right where the nozzle is. Uh, it will not let water go back into uh, any of the piping. So they're trying to prevent any pesticides or anything like that going into the water. Um, and then uh, equipment identifiable up to 25 feet. So essentially they need signs saying, hey, pesticide area, danger. This is what's going on. Um, but if you're using using caution uh, products, it's a little bit different than if you're using a warning or danger. Okay, so then that is actually just for the, let's see. Oh, yeah, that's just the unofficial pesticide headquarters checklist. So this is, okay, so that was for the structural pest control business, okay? So structural pest control here in California, um, we have two different, like, programs. So one is you can do structural pest control. You can spray the foundation of a home, of a building, and things like that. So then when you get into the ag, you can actually spray outside of the lawn area. So True Green's a big company they actually have like ag licenses here. So they're not actually allowed to spray the house with pesticide, but it's funny because they can spray pesticide in the grass. They just can't spray the home because they have ag licenses. So it's really weird um, how they separated that. So you can actually spray outside of a structure. So if you guys are actually spraying all lawns and everything like that, and you don't have your uh, ag license, you, you need to go get that because if they do an inspection, they see you doing that and you don't have your QAL, they're going to come after you and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And you'll get fined for that. So their unofficial pesticide headquarter checklist for ag pest control businesses is an annual pesticide training record for all pesticide handlers slash applicators last three years. Uh, so it says not required for a QAL. Um, once again, we're fine. That first one covers. So then um, written pesticide training program. We have that. A lot of this actually is going to repeat. Let me see if I can find anything that's new. Um, oh, it actually looks like 
Okay, interesting. So the Structural Pest Control Board only needs records for two years. The Ag Department requires three years. Why that is, I don't know. Kind of interesting. But um, we keep everything for three years. So we're just going above then, above and beyond. Um, they need the respirator. Uh, let's see. Okay, so they just need, is your business currently licensed by the Department of Pesticide Regulations? So they need to find out if you have the D DPR uh, license. Is your business currently registered with the county ag commissioner in the county slash counties in which you are working? So now that's one of the things that we don't have in every single county. We don't actually do ag uh, treatments. We, we do weed control, but it's not in actually every county. Um, we're actually looking to take that off. Uh, the weed control side of things, it's not actually that great. Not a lot of people even use it. And a lot of maintenance, uh, lawn care guys do that. So we actually probably will remove that here in a little bit uh, so we can get them off of our back on a lot of this stuff. Um, and that was actually one of the bottles that was not labeled. It was one of the weed control bottles. Um, and if she listens to this, she might hate me for it. But she even like put in there if it accidentally falls out of a truck. It's in a locked bin, guys. And she put on there, well, what if it falls out of a locked container and spills and, and a kid... I don't know. It, it was weird, but it was like, come on. It, it's in a lock bin <laughs> where the top closes. And even if it was open, it, I mean, you'd have to roll the truck to even get this chemical out of this bin. Um, so, I mean, on the ag side of things, come on, guys. Be, I know I did something wrong. Don't, don't be an ass about it. You know, don't, don't go over it. Okay. That's not the way to correct a thing. You're just going to piss people off. Um, it's not going to fall out of the truck bin. It's not going to spill into some kid's mouth or whatever. I mean, it's inside of a locked container, you know, where, you know, these bottles can't even fly out. Um, I've actually, my container opened up because I forgot to close it all the way and I drove with it open and nothing flew out. So come on. I mean, it's, you know, you, you can't have anything coming out, but, um, so then it just goes on to say you need the original containers, you need storage. Uh, oh, you need the storage of personal protective equipment. Um, this is for the ag side of things. Uh, service containers labeled. Um, so it actually looks like it's a little bit more, they're a little bit more particular on everything. Um, but we'll see what the official one is. This is the unofficial one. But I already went through and from other industries. So luckily I have a guy that worked for a fuel company an energy company and they have to have spill kits on hand, but they actually have to have it labeled and in, you know, an area where everyone can see it. It's clear. It's easy to get to. And so we did that here, whether we need to do that or not, we already did that. Um, we suck up a few extra signs just to make sure that they're in their face. I'll have to take a picture of the sign we put on our door. Um, it's massive, but, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, we're just going above and beyond with everything. Everything's super clean, organized, uh, but I'm sure they're going to come in and find something. The Ag Department always does. Uh, they're going to tell us something that we got to change or they're going to try to hit us on something. Hopefully this is, she's really cool. Hopefully she comes in and is just really understanding and is here to educate. Uh, but if not, I'll let you guys know. And we'll see if we can get her on here and I'll ask her some of the hard questions on uh, what and why the Ag Department does what they do. 
And so, guys, thanks for listening in. If you have any questions or you want to throw us any questions or you want us to cover any episodes, topics, please reach out to us on Instagram at DNA Pest Control Podcast. Uh, We will message you back. We are looking for guests. We'd love to have you guys on. So please hit us up so we can get you guys on here and be prepared for after the 21st. I will let you know how we do and maybe I'll let you know how much we pay in fines. I don't know. Hopefully we don't have to pay anything, but you know what? It's the ag department. You never know what they're going to do, but thanks for listening guys.